Welcome to the Introverted Black Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Shalia Williams. If you are looking for a place to connect with fellow introverts or a person looking to understand more about introverts, this is the podcast for you. We discuss topics involving introverts, parenthood, relationships, Black issues, and so much more. So thank you for joining. So let's get into it. Today's episode will explore alcoholism in the black community. And then later on, we'll talk to one woman who decided to take back control of her life and has openly shared her experience overcoming alcoholism. But now let's just get into a few stats on alcoholism in black communities. So y'all, this is according to the 2016 U.S. Census Bureau. So it was reported that about 13% of the U.S. population was black. However, even though African Americans are a minority, the black community actually struggles with substance abuse at higher rates. So an interesting fact was African Americans actually tend to drink less, they start drinking later, and they abuse alcohol less frequently than other races and cultures. But Despite this, it's been reported that black people often suffer more from negative consequences of alcohol use. So this is including more injuries, more illness, and more negative social consequences that are alcohol related. So like we said, in general, alcohol use is usually lower in the black community than in other races and cultural demographics. However, the problems related to alcohol are usually greater within the African-American community than they are for European-Americans. So I was doing my research and there may be several different reasons why um, the black community are more likely to struggle with problems related to alcohol than other like ethnic minority groups, even though they tend to drink less. So one reason may be um, Drinking in the black community may not be as socially acceptable. Um, And a a lot of times it may be because a lot of black communities have like a strong religious and spiritual background and drinking is really frowned upon. Um, Also, black people face quite a bit of stress due to like racial discrimination And on top of that, they may be more likely to suffer legal or criminal consequences when drinking in public than other races simply due to the color of their skin. So now that we kind of did a quick little background with some uh, numbers, figures, stats, whatever you want to call it. Now I want to take some time to speak with Myra Brown and she is the creator and the host of the Jesus and Sobriety podcast to talk to her about her experience with alcoholism in her recovery. So as promised, I do have a special guest with us here today. I want to introduce to you all Myra. She is the creator and host of the Jesus and Sobriety podcast. Welcome, Myra. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, I'm definitely glad to have you on. So, obviously, you know we're on the Introverted Black Mom podcast, but I wanted to hear from you what you consider yourself to be. So, would you consider yourself an introvert, an extrovert, 
or ambivert kind of like right in between what would you consider yourself um i think a lot of people would consider me an extrovert but i am honestly in my heart i believe i'm an ambivert <laughs> Oh, okay. Yes, because you had me fooled. I assumed you would say extrovert too, because that's how I see you. Okay. I didn't know that. I learned something new. Too funny. Why do you think I'm an extrovert? Uh, I think you are extrovert because I know that you enjoy talking to people. You enjoy phone calls. You're really good at speaking and, you know, speaking publicly, whether it's doing a prayer or you're reciting spoken word. And you just seem like a people person. You're really excited all the time when you're talking to people. So I just yeah. assumed you were extrovert. You're always that the one definitely, that's... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is definitely true. Um, I think uh, as of lately, like maybe as I'm getting a little older, it's probably changing a little bit. Um, there are times like this week, mm -hmm. I just wanted to be by myself. And so yesterday, I like stood in the house all day. I was able to read... Um, and relax and journal and I just didn't want to be around people I think okay. that sometimes you have to be careful um with that because sometimes you could try to for me um I could slip into a state of like depression and just isolate from everybody uh -huh. and so I picked up some pretty good um tools um that I use to make sure that that does not happen gotcha. <laughs> and so one of those tools is like just letting all my girlfriends um no, and my accountability partners know, like, just pray for me right now because I feel like I need to be by myself for a little bit. I've been doing a lot with people. And so um, I have some safety nets in place and people who like check in with me. And um, uh -huh. yeah, it's been good. Oh, perfect. And I should have, I need to be redoing your intro because I already said you were the host and creator of the um, Jesus and Sobriety podcast. But yeah. I feel like your your best title you got is being my sister-in-law. So I listen <laughs> exactly. Hey sis, <laughs> right? I forgot to mention it. But anyway, <laughs> um, let's talk about for those who do not know you, and we obviously want the audience to get to know you. I guess let's start from your upbringing. Where are you <laughs> from? Where were you raised? Let's talk about parents, siblings, all that jazz. Yeah. So I am from. North Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> um, and I actually lived across the street from Shalia growing up. And um, I actually grew up in the same household as her husband. Look at me um, telling all the business. All the business. <laughs> all the tea, just giving it to him um, for free, too. Look, so <laughs> I grew up in a household. Um, I'm adopted. I grew up in a household with a bunch of, I'm sorry, with a bunch of siblings as well as cousins. Um, it was a bunch of us in the house. North Philly, um, I went to public school. Um, I came from a very, very strict household. We were in church all the time. Uh -huh. Listen, I had to wear dresses every Sunday. My mama was so strict. Um, <laughs> and my household, we did not have any alcohol. I never seen my mama drink or even talk about alcohol. I was so um, blinded. Like alcohol was not even something that we thought about it was something I never thought about um until I got older um so a very strict household mm -hmm. we went to the church a lot we went to school a lot my mama um only went to the third grade and so wow. school to her wasn't very very important like she didn't understand everything mm -hmm. um but we went and so that's a part of like how I was brought up. So it was just mostly school and church. Um, we played outside. My mom was very strict. So as soon as the street lights came on, it was time to go <laughs> in the crib. 
Everyone around the way used to be like, roll call. They already <laughs> knew that we had to go in the house. We could not stay up late. Partying wasn't um, something that we did. Um, and so it was something that we used to sneak out and do as we got a little older. But as a child, um, we never had even like really birthday parties. Sometimes we would have like cake and ice cream, little stuff. Um, okay. And I did have one birthday party, which was my 13th birthday party. And that was the time when I met my biological mom. And that's probably the first time I was introduced to alcohol, to be honest. Um, oh, wow. Okay, let's pause yeah. right there because yeah. I definitely want to hear about that. So we talked about your childhood and do you have children? So, yes, I have a son. Um, I call him Bud. He is six years old and in the first grade. And uh, I'm sorry, what were you about to say? I'm interrupting. No, go ahead. What was your question? Okay. So we talked about, so far we realized, we talked about your upbringing and you mentioned mm -hmm. that you grew up with your adopted mother who was very strict, mm -hmm. very much into church and drinking was not something that was encouraged at all in the household. And on mm -hmm. your 13th birthday, did you hear, did I hear you say you met your biological mom and that mm -hmm. might've been your first intro into alcohol? Let's yeah. get into that part. Let's jump into it. So um, never knew my biological mom or anything uh, or any of my biological family. Mm -hmm. um, funny story, like I was in school with one of my cousins and our biological family literally lived like four or five blocks away from us, five blocks mm -hmm. away. Like we can literally walk um, around there. It is a, uh, we could walk around there. It's a very, very small world. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my sister, uh, Faye ended up running into, cause she was a little older. And so she knew, um, a aunt, um, who was in the family because she got adopted a little later. Um, okay. so Faye ran into an aunt or someone on a train and, um, she started talking to her about my biological mom. And so, um, they oh, talked wow. and my biological mom was like, she would come through for my 13th birthday. And so, Ooh. She came and it was so crazy because I was very excited at school and I used to always dream. I wonder what my biological mom looked like. And I had these images in my head. Yeah. Um, and uh, my adopted mother was a very older woman. So a lot of people always thought she was my grandma. And so mm -hmm. it was kind of at the time, um, I'm very thankful now, but at the time I was kind of embarrassed that everyone else had like younger moms and my mom was like a grandma. Yeah. Um, so I had this image of my biological mother in my head. And so 13th birthday, I'm excited coming home from school. I'm going to see my mom. And so I get there and she, she has on like, um, uh, some overalls or like a jumper or something. Mm -hmm. And she's dressed like a tomboy. Okay. Which is really interesting. Cause I, I was like a tomboy. And she had her boyfriend with her, I believe, I think, I could be lying, but I do remember her being there. And she had the circular paper um, with a 40 in it. You know, those big bottles, the big 40s. Uh -huh. uh, she had the 40 ounce, you talking about? Okay, yes, mama was taking it to the head. She was getting lit. And so um, I really didn't, I knew it was something that I shouldn't, like, I knew it wasn't a good thing. I don't know how, but I just knew it wasn't, right? So, mm -hmm. and let me make this clear. Like, I don't believe that drinking is horrible. I don't think that it's a sin. I do believe that for me, um, I do believe that being tipsy is, is, um, basically being drunk, but mm -hmm. I believe that when you drink, um, 
to get drunk that there is a problem um, gotcha. that you have a problem right okay. and so for me I can't drink because I want to keep drinking and drinking and um basically trying to use that to to solve um, all my problems and I don't want to feel certain things and so thank god I've, I have better ways to cope now but my mom came and she had this 40 and so um we were talking and everything was kind of cool. And so we went to walk around the corner to meet my biological family. And I literally had $3 for my birthday. I know people get tired of me telling this story, <laughs> but it is so true. I had $3 and uh-huh. um, he asked for it. And so my biological mom's name was uh, was Faye. And so she asked for the $3 and I didn't want to give her the $3, but my sister was like, give it to her. You know, that's your mom. Do it. And so I gave it to her mm-hmm. and she walked. Um, we walked with her to a speakeasy, which is like a house where they like basically sell alcohol um, mm-hmm. out of the house. And so I remember her giving a person the $3 that I only had for my birthday that I just got. Aww to the person and then they gave her some beer and then we just kept moving um and then i always tell this story too she promised me a bike but she never got my bike um so i know right so that was the first time i was introduced into alcohol wow yeah okay so we mentioned that you are the creator and host of the jesus and sobriety podcast could you tell us what was your inspiration for creating the podcast? Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, so I'll start with like, so my first drink, uh, was literally 12th grade, mm-hmm. um, graduation and it was a cooler. The interesting thing about this is like, I was pretending to be drunk. Like, I don't even know <laughs> where that idea came from, right? Like why do that? And so I drank this cooler and I'm acting like I'm so lit. Um, I don't even know why I thought that was cool, but <laughs> Maybe movies or something. Exactly. And so um, I didn't really begin to like drink a bit until um, college. And so um, the first time I got drunk, um, my sister Eva and I and uh, one of my friends, a homie, all went to this party with sophomore year of college. And um, yeah, I believe it was sophomore year. And I grew up in a strict household, so we never played cards. We never drank or nothing. And so I sat there. And we were playing cards for shots. And I took like probably like nine shots of like vodka or something. Oh, wow. Keep in mind, I, I'm pretty sure my tolerance is very, very low because I wasn't a drinker really or anything. Mm-hmm. And I stood up and, whoa, I was going tumbling down. But I got caught. We got in the car. And my friend caught me. We got in the car. Um, thank God no one else was drinking, um, my sister or him. And so we were driving and ended up getting pulled over by the cops. Um, but they let us go, thank God, because I was the only one that was drinking and I was in the back seat. And so then Wow. My I know ended up getting out the car and my sister's like, she's playing. Keep in mind we didn't grow up in the household where alcohol or drunkenness was a real thing. We are so uneducated at this time. <laughs> I fall, boom, hit the ground, my tooth chips. And the oh. crazy thing is I just had got it fixed, right? And oh, so I was wow. like, this in class come Monday because um, I grew up with a trip tooth and I was always teased about it. And so um, I went and got that fixed. Um, crazy oh, thing no. is my first time, I know, first time I got drunk really and um, I go home and your husband, uh-huh. um, my brother was there and uh, we had this very, um, what's the word, weird way of basically, so in my family when I grew 
when I grew up, we basically would have an issue. And instead of like talking through it, mm-hmm. uh, we would just like pretend like it never happened. Like if we say something, we'll pretend like it never happened, but never like process it. Gotcha. And so my brother, I got home and I was drunk and I thought he was drowning me in the tub, but he was like putting me in the shower trying to wake me up, I guess. Uh-huh. But keep in mind, we grew up in a household where we knew nothing about alcohol. Right. So, um, the next day, I woke up in vomit and stuff like that. And so I didn't think I had a problem then. I don't think that I did then. Um, I just was like, I didn't, I didn't get drunk again for a while after that. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that I began to um, notice that I got a problem. I had a problem when I were, was in my 20s. I got married at a young age um, at like 22. I was 22. Okay. And so a couple years later um, is when I realized I um, had a problem. Now, I won't blame this on my ex-husband or anything like that. I will say that um, we started going out and drinks are just, is just everywhere. Um, yes. So um, we were just like going to wineries, every baby shower, every wedding, every party. There was just alcohol there. And so I liked the way it made me feel. And so I wanted to keep doing it and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, until one day, like I, I just had enough. I was, I began to get physically sick. Um, so like I would vomit. Uh, but I just, I thought about alcohol day and night. I just felt like it was the only thing to help me get through, to help me get by, to help me uh-huh. face reality. And so, um, I would just drink and drink and drink. Um, and it was just something I wanted to do all the time. Um, we didn't have healthy ways. I didn't have healthy ways of like coping. Um, and right. I was that type of person who a lot of people leaned on. Um, mm-hmm. And so I felt like I had to be strong. Um, so when I got to this point where I was depressed and alcohol basically defeated me, I hate losing things. I hate losing. Um, gotcha. I always say I'm a winner, mm-hmm. but I lost to alcohol. It was trying to take me out. And so I sat on the room, um, my son's room, and I cried out to God. And I said, Father, please take this from me. I don't want to do this no more. I can't yeah. do it. And I begged him. And so um, I went and met up with some sober friends and got help. And so all of that to get to your question. No, <laughs> right? this is great. I um, love it. <laughs> right, right. What inspired it? And so. I was just praying and talking and I was like a few months into my sobriety and my sobriety date is August 2nd, 2019. And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, um, that was the day that I like prayed out to God and cried and he said, I got you daughter. And so, um, I realized because I realized that there's this stigma or this notion that's attached to alcoholics that, only bums or alcoholics or people that's like standing on a corner begging for a change. And that's not true. And so uh-huh. I was like, if I'm going through this in the hood, other people my age are going through this in the hood as well. Right. Like gotcha. I got sober in my late twenties. And uh-huh. so I was just like, if I'm going through this, I know other people are going through it. And I was just praying and God was like, other people need help. Other people Um, need to know that they are not alone, that they are suffering, but there is a way of escape. I have provided help um, to expert. And so I I did, I struggled with, um, I felt like I was like, you know, started podcast to be able to talk to people about this. And I struggled with 
doing it because I didn't want to be honest. And I was so okay. used to people putting me on like some, some people I know put me on like this pedestal. Um, and I felt like I needed to live a certain way. And, you know, I'm this yeah. Christian girl, like, you know, I was hiding my drinking. And so, um, how I just felt like I got to a point where I just was like, you're right, God, other people need help. And so, um, I want to be able to be real and transparent. And so mm -hmm. I started the podcast. Um, it was very, very difficult for me, but, um, I did it. And actually with starting it, so many people, um, have reached out to me on, um, social media, um, via email and they've just been, um, pouring out. So like, I'm not alone. There's so many other people, young people, older people who are going through, um, alcoholism and just struggling to get one day sober, one day clean. Um, I know you came on uh, my podcast or your mm -hmm. podcast. I don't like to claim it as my own really, right? Like it's for the people. Um, <laughs> and so um, you came on and I talked about how I recall that there was this time when I, I called you and I was like, I'm kind of shaking. Like, is this normal? Do you know? And you told me um, that you had family members who went through the same thing and yeah. you talked me through that. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, it still surprises me that you remembered it. <laughs> yes, that was um, uh, a big moment in mm -hmm. me turning um, to sobriety. It was a very big moment because I needed help. And um, I appreciate you. you. You like help me more than you even know. Um, but I, I thank God it. for it, Jesus. Yes, mm -hmm. thank you. I thank God for the podcast, Jesus and sobriety. Um, I've been able to get a couple people on there, some who were just um, raised in household with parents who were alcoholics, some mm -hmm. who are um, free from um, from alcoholism, some who are trying to get free from addiction of like marijuana or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it's been a blessing to know that there are young people out here who are um, just trying to get a day sober. It's been a blessing to be able to, to help in any way uh, possible. Got you. So we heard about the inspiration for you creating a podcast. So out of curiosity, why the name Jesus and Sobriety? Why mm, that title? Good. Right. Um, wow. So I think that, and that's probably a part of the reason I don't want to say it's my podcast or I'll say like the podcast, but um, for me, I wanted to make sure I kept um, my Savior, uh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus, at the forefront so that I can remember that he is the one who saved me and pulled me out of this and that um, this is not mine. So I don't want to squander it or uh, misuse it. Um, yeah. I want to keep in mind that um, anything that I do in the name of God, I do want excellence to be attached to it. But I want to remember that I'm not the boss, that this is something that I just want to be reminded that this is something that God placed on my heart. Gotcha. Um, and so it's not necessarily my idea. I believe that it's something that he planted, that he is the one who should be given all credit for it. And so, um, and he's the deliverer. And so for me, and so that's why I put him first and then sobriety, because um, that's what it's all about um, mm -hmm. after um, Jesus. It's about the sobriety and um, through sobriety, I've been able to get closer, um, closer and closer to God. But I just wanted to be remember um, to be always be reminded that um, this is his and that he's the one who um, pulled me out of it. And through him, there is freedom and there is safety. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and you know what's interesting, and and correct me because I feel like I remember on your on your podcast. I think you have something. I think it says uh, creators, and it says Jesus and Myra. I can't remember. Yeah. Yes, and I when I saw yeah. that, I thought it was so dope. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. that's good that you yeah. credited him as the creator. Yeah. yeah, so it's really sticking with your theme of being that reminder that yeah. as you said that God really delivered you from this. So I um. thought that was real dope. Right, so, and he used so many people as vessels like you mm-hmm. to be able to help guide me to sobriety. Good. So as we're closing out, it's a couple more things I just want to ask you. Um, I think you kind of answered this, but I'll ask anyway. What do you feel like the biggest misconception people have about those that are struggling with addiction? Like, what do you think mm-hmm. uh, that other people are thinking that you're like, actually, y'all kind of got it all wrong. That's not the case. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's a couple. Um, but the one that I said was the one that st- sticks out the most to me. Like, um, mm-hmm. you're only like, because there are people who are alcoholics who still function. Like, I was drinking mm-hmm. and still going to work. Um, yeah. So um, I think that the misconception that in order for you to be an alcoholic you have to be like uh for lack of better words forgive me father for even calling them people that well for calling people that but like you have to be homeless or a bum or something on a corner um but you think about it and those people who are struggling in their addiction out there didn't wake up one day and say you know what i want to be when i grow up a freaking alcoholic like that's not true Uh like they were just like you and me they were uh, many of them were parents or our parents many of them daughters and sons um and they struggled and this disease is uh progressive and it's cunning and it's baffling and it will sneak up on you and it will defeat you um and so i think that um a lot of young people need to be properly educated on it um and i think that we need to talk to our kids about it because look i grew up in a household where it was just like something that was never around or forbidden so i wasn't educated on it so when i went out there to do it i'm thinking I can do whatever and just keep drinking and yeah. alcohol never crossed my mind. Right. Um, but that's uh, one of the biggest misconceptions, um, I believe, is that like in order for you to be alcoholic or to have a problem, um, that you have to be like this bump on a corner. Right. I do believe, too, um, that because alcohol is like this acceptable drug, right, like it's everywhere uh-huh. and it's legal. Um mm-hmm that people struggle with even myself included like accepting that we have a problem because like everybody I was drinking right like I'm drinking it even like this is normal this is okay it's not really that bad but um so I, I like struggle with when people say to me like why don't you drink and it's like do you ask somebody that don't smoke weed why you don't smoke weed right or, yeah who don't do crack like why you yeah. don't like this is a drug itself right yeah it doesn't become a problem until it i believe until you become an alcoholic really or you're um, a binge drinker or something like that but who sorry but um yeah that's something that's no i think you made a, a fabulous point another thing i wanted to point out that i thought was really good is that she used the word disease when you were describing it mm-hmm. and um I believe that there are a lot of people and you talked about being miseducated about it. A lot of times people are, are really truly blame the alcoholic. And when I say blame, yes, I realize that people make a choice and they take a drink or whatever it is, but I a thousand percent agree with you. I don't think most of us are fantasizing about our lives when we grow up and like, Hey, 
I want to be addicted. I want to try something once or a couple times and I want this just kind of take over me. And I think that if people use the word, you know, alcoholism as a disease, and I think possibly maybe more people could be more accepting of those that are struggling Mm -hmm. with it. Because, yeah, if someone else in your family has a a different disease, I don't think you would be as cruel to them as you would be with somebody else that's struggling with addiction. So I think that was really good. Um, Yeah. Some, and in closing now, I guess maybe some words of encouragement for somebody struggling with sobriety and also what advice would you have for family members or friends that are looking to support a loved one who is dealing with addiction? Yeah. Um, so people who are struggling with um, this disease of alcoholism, I would like to say that you are still loved mm-hmm. Um that it is okay and that there is beauty in your brokenness and that there is help out here um, and that you're strong if you decide, and hopefully you do, to ask for help. Um, There are healthy ways for you to become sober and there is room for you um, on the other side. Um, And I will say that it's beautiful um, Mm -hmm. and that your life will truly change. Um, Since I've been sober, God has blessed me in so many um, areas and I've been able to just grow and blossom and begin to see myself the way that God sees me. And so if you're sick or you're suffering, um, there is help out there. There are many ways. Um, You can Google um, different um, rehabs. You can make a AA meeting. You can reach out to me. on Instagram, simply Myra Ann, or email me, um, jesusinsobriety at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that you are loved, um, that you are cared for, and that there is freedom and there is beauty on the other side of this. For people who are family members of people who struggle with this disease, I want you too to know that you are loved, that there are healthy ways for you to cope. Mm-hmm. And that they have different programs like Al and and oh, stuff yeah. like that with other people who are in very similar or the same boat as you. There are people um, who have children. Uh, there are children of alcoholics. There are parents of alcoholics who are sad, who are hurt, and who want to see their loved ones free. Um, and there is room for that. So I would say. You too can reach out to me or someone else who you know um, is strug- uh, who is struggling um, or have family members who struggled with this before. There are healthy ways to cope. There are there's hope, and so speak up. There is strength in that. And I would like to say this one last big thing: it is not your fault. So be kind to yourself. No, that's important. That's really good. Really, really good. So thank you so, so much for joining us. I think that was great. I'm sure a lot of people will find it helpful and inspiring and relatable. And I'm glad you included where people can reach out to you. Um, Where can people find your podcast if they want to listen in? Yes, you can Google um, Jesus and Sobriety. Um, it's actually on a couple different platforms. It's Perfect. on Anchor on google um 
he was on Spotify. It's on a couple different um, sites. If I could, just before, um, I like to say this last thing too. Go ahead. To those who are like struggling with um, alcoholism or even any type of addiction or disease, um, focus on your today, right? Like tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Yesterday, all the money in the world, you can't, will not bring back yesterday. So focus on today, not even 24 hours, if that's too much for you. Focus on the next hour, just staying sober for the next hour. Um, there is help and be kind to yourself. Like just be kind to yourself. And um, like I said before, remember that you are loved. Thank you so, so much. I will remember to put Myra's information in the show notes so you all can reach out to her. Thank you. Talk to you next Thank time. Thank you. Bye. Peace. Hey, I miss y'all in between episodes. I want us to stay connected. So make sure you follow me on Facebook and Instagram. My handle is at Introverted Black Mom. And thank you again for listening to this week's episode of the Introverted Black Mom podcast. I really enjoyed talking to Myra about her experience with alcohol recovery. I especially like when she spoke on the misconceptions we may have regarding individuals with addiction. Make sure to share with your family and friends. Bye, y'all.